you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 200, 200 of the Dave Damashek football program. Available as always on iTunes and at NFL.com slash Sheck. S-H-E-K, Sheck, Sheck, Sheck. Yes, it is episode number 200. Where is the time gone? We've got a grand show lined up for you today. Joining us from the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's appropriate that uh, in this uh, on this auspicious occasion we would have one of our, of our very favorite football players joining us from the Steelers. It's Ryan Clark. We're also going to get to our Red Challenge flag segment. This is our weekly pick segment. Elliot Harrison going head-to-head with Handsome Hank to divine who's going to win all the big games. Coming up here, and we're going to talk to personnel guru, college football aficionado, Bucky Brooks, he's going to join us to break down the quarterback play we're seeing in college, how it uh, translates to the NFL level and so on. But first and foremost, let's say hello to the man who's been by my side for the entirety of not just the run here on the podcast, but since the day I walked in the door of the NFL Network, what was it, three, four years ago now? Is this the fourth year that we've been doing stuff here at NFL Network? Wow, fourth season. This is the fourth season here. How about that? Here he is. You know him from NFL.com. You know him from NFL Fantasy Live and beyond. Black Tie, cue up his theme music. It's Adam Rank. Great. 
Oh, Rank, thanks. what's a yeah? Do you like that? What's thanks, the poop, boss. Fella? Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. I don't know. I appreciate it. Anytime I can hear those tones from the great Dick Banks, I'm honored. Yeah. What do you think? Well, maybe that should be our as we go forward. Maybe we need a new theme song for Rank because Why? It, it, well, because it references your love of uh, fatty foods and you're no longer fat. That's you know that's an interesting thing when you try to look at something over the course of a show's run or anything, you know, oh, hey, we've been married now for blank years, and look at right. the changes. Oh, oh, look, at I used to have hair. Rank didn't have hair then, but he did have about an extra 174 pounds <laughs> on his frame. Not sure it was that's that been many. the big one. That's the bi- that's the biggest change from then to now since we started this podcast. So in hindsight, you're like, maybe I shouldn't have been doing those fat jokes, or maybe they shamed me. That's right. I'd weight. like to think that uh, that the latter yeah. is the case. Is that that I tried to I, with tough love, he, I pushed you to be the best Adam Rank you could possibly be. I wish we could have, you know, documented when we intersected when yeah. I finally went below. I'm it's funny you I'm say that. You. There's a lot of guys. Uh, do you think you're lower than me now? I would th- I What's weigh, your number? I weigh 184. Well, I think we'd be just about that even. That's right, right around the same. Um. The it's funny. So when did we start this podcast exactly? Because we did we didn't do it the first year we did fantasy live. Together. No, it was at the summer the, afterwards. We started this summer. I remember the run up to wow. That's it's still. But this is cov- this podcast has covered three football seasons now. This would be its third, right? Egad, that's unbelievable. And uh, also, let's say hello to the man behind the glass who's been with us for the majority now of the shows. Not all of them, of course, because of his uh, his heavy vacation schedule. Plus, <laughs> there were some other producers behind the glass before he arrived on the scene from the tie rack, the, uh, the loveliest tie that we have in all our tie rack. It's black tie. What's the poop with you, fella? What's going on, guys? Great occasion. Uh, I, feel, I feel good to be here. It took 200 episodes to get to this point where I feel good at being on this show but uh it's here good this would be a momentous time for you to step down <laughs> 200 do like a don mattingly threaten us with I, something I, <laughs> I move i move a lot of things around just to have rank on this special podcast you moved and this so is how generous. you pay me fan producer neil so, dutton was the so one who had to remind generous. me remind me to hey i know you're off on wednesdays but uh make sure that you go in Hey, citizens of the Czech Republic and the rank amateurs and the Hank amateurs, for that matter, did we ever decide on a nickname for your non-existent fan base, Black Tie? Um, a lot of people were calling for the Black Sheep. The Black Sheep. I yeah. love that. I came up with that, right? You might have. I think I did. That's yeah. a pretty good one. Uh, <laughs> I, I do enjoy that. Listen, we appreciate the gifts that you've been sending here to Studio 66. Believe me, our bellies and uh, our livers have not. Rank. Speaking of which, we got one from uh, from Rods the Bods the other day from Scotland. And I was he said here. Some Glenfiddich. No, I know. I was wondering if that uh, if that he entire bottle of Glenfiddich is now gone. I well, you know what? I have a little routine on Tuesday nights. I go out and have sushi. That's when I can take out Rosie McGee. When I look mm-hmm. at my busy schedule, that's the, the old one lady. night. Yes, my wife. That's the one night we can go out and have a night on the town. And then, uh, then I went and blacked out on that scotch afterwards. Uh, well, I'm glad to I hear. I don't even know how I got here today. Oh, we had haggis flavored crisps. Uh, oh, and it was, it was it was a bevy of treats. But listen, don't feel obliged. But if you like to do it, I'm not I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to do anything to stop you from doing it. Black tie's upset. Why do you want what us about, not to get gifts? Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't. Hey, if you want to, sure, go ahead. But let me just just letting you know. You can also drop us a line, hashtag DDFP, comment on iTunes, ah, tell a friend yeah. to tell a friend, subscribe, join the show, 
become a fan producer like a main, main man, Neil Dutton, Sarah Peters, and the rest of the crew, and uh, just just be part of the crew. While Rank's here, because I know you're going to run out of here to do your fancy TV show in uh, your fantasy live in just uh, in just a couple minutes. This here. is my heaviest day of lifting. I fantasy. love that Rank came in though for the Ryan Clark interview. He'll be when, as soon as he calls in. Until he does though, let's uh, let's just kibitz about this. Ryan Clark certainly would be in the conversation. In our 200 episodes, quickly, okay. best guest that we've had. What, what do you say? Just r- run off a few. I mean, it's, if, you're, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, I'm sure there aren't any surprises uh, coming here. But, uh, Rank, who was your favorite? I was going to say A.J. Hawk. Yep. Terrence Newman. Yep. Uh, Ryan Clark. Yep. And oh, I, I got to bring up to Ryan Clark, too, that Terrence Newman has invited me to be a guest of the Cincinnati oh, Bengals. You in Heinz Field this December. Wonder how bi- he'll feel about that. One of the biggest ones, too, was uh, Dieter Brock. <laughs> <laughs> and you get the point for the reference. And I suggest on this auspicious occasion that we hereby retire the Dieter Brock drop game and rank retires as the well, official champion of all time in the Dieter Brock drop game. Dieter Brock well, I got to ask too. I go as you know anybody who followed it along that during this summer of fan free agency, I chose the Chicago Bears as the team I will now mm-hmm. support. So, do I appreciate the eighty-five NFC champion? So, I interact. Well, Dieter Brock, game, in case though. you haven't heard before, he was that the for one season. He was the LA Rams QB. Previous to that, of course, he uh, he let he lit the CFL on fire with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He came down late in his career, took them to one uh, to one title game where they lost in Soldier Field to the mighty eighty-five Bears. A great game now. Now you in hindsight now you love it, but at the time this is a crossing of uh, this is the two universes of Adam Rank crossing over. Weird, you talk yeah. about crossing over because I rebooted myself like DC Comics in a way. I got you. Yeah, that's interesting. And yeah, now you can't really old Rank. Ha- shame the devil if they ever do fix to figure out this time machine business. Oh, because then be the what happens? Can new Rank go, ba- you know go back and watch that game, or could old Rank and new Rank? Watch that game in Soldier Field together, together and get into a fight. And if you did, old rank would probably beat up new rank because you had 178 pounds on them. Well, new old rank was like four years old, so it would be a little bit unfair. Hmm. All right. But here's the thing: is I actually have I, I I'm trying to find these in the archives. Uh, I know my dad put Bears clothes on me. Mm-hmm. And there was photographs of. I'm trying to find those. You need I, that. I think that would be cool. Me as a little kid, running around because I remember there was one. I remember my mom had to take like snuck a picture because I put on a, a Walter Payton jersey and was upset, and was and you could tell from the photo like I don't like this. Like what am I doing? And it's it's taken from a low like a low perspective. Like she's hiding it behind the birthday cake or something. Like snapping the photo so she could send it to my aunt. I think my aunt had sent it to me. Because I, as, as I, I see, pay off. Yes, the like, long, hey, look, he yes. put on this jersey, but the yeah, faraway uh, relative sent you a gift. You have to pay it off. Yeah, it, for no earthly reason. There's a picture of me as a one year old mm-hmm. in. I ended up going to Indiana University. There's a picture of me in an IU football jersey no in way. Pittsburgh, PA. No one has any idea where it came <laughs> from. 
It is not. Now, there is in Pittsburgh an hour away. There's a school called Indiana University of Pennsylvania. It is not that. It is blatantly the IU Bobby Knight logo football jersey. It's a mystery where it was came a, from. Yeah, because it couldn't it, have been a high school or anything. Because you no, know, like high school. I was a, I was a one year old kid. I was one year old. I was one. But there wasn't a local high school that you. Because I guess no. it's got the U in it. So no, it it's that be, logo that you know if you watch college basketball that IU kind of blocky wow. logo and it's bizarre. Nobody. I said, where did why who gave this no idea nobody has any there's idea. a there's a photograph of me this i'm um, going through these there's a photograph of me wearing pajamas uh, a dolphin's pajamas now that's weird and that didn't lead you to anywhere except no. that handsome hank is a dolphin's fan so see it all comes full circle all right enough about talking about our 200th anniversary because no one uh, probably cares outside of us who are your favorite guests though you never oh i didn't that. answer i didn't yeah. well you didn't answer black well, i have a i have a couple yeah, I'm sorry. See, that's how my brain works. I forget course. what we're talking about. Totally. Um, Can you fax these to us? <laughs> Terrence Newman, obviously, he was good. He, you know, has a lot of good drops. He was fun on the podcast. So told us a lot of great stories, like playing football with uh, Michael Bay in the Transformers set. You also have a main man, Steve Smith, a couple of yeah, seasons Steve ago. Yeah, Steve Smith. It has been way too long way since too we've long. talked to Carolina Panthers star. I Do you think he's producer. a Hall of Famer, by the way? No. You don't think Steve Smith gets to the hall? That's an interesting conversation. That should be a new segment. Hall or no? We should uh, hall or oats. I'm trying to think of what we could call it. Anyway, listen. You know what we should do with Steve Smith, Black Tie? Here's here's uh, here's a request. See if we can get Steve Smith to talk a little NBA in front of uh, tip-off here. NBA season's about to begin. He's a big uh, NBA fan. That'd Close be a good man, one. Yep. Yeah, we should do that. Um, get his take on the Steve Clippers. Smith. Yeah, get the Clippers. Well, the Clippers are covering up the Lakers' banners. I love that. Why? I I mean, I get the controversy that it's a slap in the face. You're a Lakers guy. Are you offended by that? No, they should do that. It's the same. I totally get it. Right. The the Giants obviously have won a lot more than the Jets have. Do they cover up? Do the Jets cover up Giants stuff? It's all electric now. So I think it's digital. No, they have jerseys hanging up, though. It's digital. No, it's not the Joe. I know for a fact okay. Joe Namath's jersey is hanging in in that stadium. It is. Yeah, it's a big one in a frame, like on the sidelines. Yeah, really? Because I thought they covered it up. Because if you saw the old Meadowlands, uh-huh. and they would have like the Don Maynard jersey or whoever wore thirteen, that was like a oh a really? Now that you would put around the base of the stadium. Oh, you're kidding would... me? How shoddy! That stinks. I wouldn't. Uh, that's not very flattering. That doesn't seem permanent. Doesn't no, seem that, like it's going to outlive you. It wasn't permanent. Yeah, I. But still, I mean, you know what? They share the building. The Clippers shouldn't have to. Play That's the their... point. They yes, they have the they're they have equal rights in there. Forty one games a year when it, it's their building when they're playing in there. They're allowed to treat the the Lakers stuff however they want. Because well, I don't think they're allowed to. That's actually, I mean, the vandalize it. But because people might assume that that's the Lakers building, but it's actually not. It's the L A Kings building. Oh, they, they own it. Well, it's AEG. Who's the, so who they owns, own it. Yeah, they own it. Um, all right. So uh, so my answer is the names you just said. I love Steve Smith. I think The thing I really like is that pretty much, and I, I, I don't know if I would say him by name. I guess that would be inappropriate. But we have had very few guys come in here and be vanilla. We've had very few guys on the phone, and definitely when they come into Studio 66, who's been a stinker? I, 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 all right, I just thought of one guy who was Vernon do- Davis. Who was 
<laughs> Can we not say anybody? It wasn't Vernon Davis, but you're close. There was a guy who was shilling the for Niners. some product. There was a guy who was doing it as a part of a promotional thing, and you we had him for 10 minutes. Oh, no, it wasn't. No, I'm sorry. Vernon Davis is awesome. I've ta- We've talked to him before on this show. I no, know I've, talked to him I've never purpose. talked to him before, no. Okay, I've talked to Vernon Davis. He's. I'm sorry. Was... You and I saw him, though, in New Orleans no, last he's, Super Bowl he's week. He's great. I'm so sorry, Vernon. That's not who I meant. Patrick we, Willis. Patrick Willis. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't great. He, he wasn't. wasn't he great. just wasn't into it. Yeah, he Vernon's, wasn't a jerk. He just wasn't into it at all. You remember yeah. like chats when when guys would do chats on the internet? Yeah. And like I had to, I would moderate those one time. And I, and Vernon Davis sat down, and I sat down. He was awesome. Remember him though? We were sitting in that place. I wish I could think of Acme the name Oyster of it. Oyster House. Acme Oyster, and we were eating the uh, the delicious grilled oysters. And there was so Vernon good. Davis, glad handing with some chums awesome. and everything. He was delightful. Gosh. It was Wednesday night of uh, before the biggest game of his life. All right, enough. I like all our guests. That's the Jake point. Jake Johnson. I like That's him. who I was about to bring up. He's a sleeper. He, he came on once. A new girl. New girl. New girl. Jake Johnson. Him. He offered to do to star on the Dave Damashek. Biopic, whenever that works it's out. It's a passing. That, that's a passing resemblance at best. Oh, I get a lot. You know what I've been getting a lot like of. It's not like it's he's your like the doppel- good-looking version of you. Chuck. Hold on. It's not like it's your doppelganger. But yeah. when you're trying to cast somebody into the role of you, who can capture my essence? Who can capture your essence? Because yeah. Clooney would probably be too big budget. Yeah, and Brando's long since past his prime. I think he's in the ground. Clooney's so. too old as well. Yeah, we need someone who can really thread the needle there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, I'll continue to scour. Um, I've been getting a lot of tweets about I look like Lionel Messi. And <laughs> I got that, too. You look like Messi. I don't, I don't I really don't see, see that. And I also – the one that's offensive is when people – when the NBA playoffs are going and people let me know I look like Manu Ginobili. That's a hurtful one. Yes, I mm. we share a bald spot. But his nose, no. I, big as my nose is – is you know his is you know off the charts compared. To you both have that like scruffy you know. We're swarthy sorts, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's not even close. All right, so I don't know Hawk, Terrence Newman, Hawk and Jess, you. and wouldn't you know it, at the uh, perfect time here to steal the thunder of everybody else. He's on the line. All right, let's uh, let's get it going here, Black Tie. You listen to Oh, Rank, what a treat. He is among our very favorites in all the ranks of pro football. Stealers, superstar safety, superstar human being to boot. Ryan Clark, what's the poop, fella? <laughs> Nothing much, man. I tell you what, with an intro like that, you actually make me feel good about myself. That's the goal, fella. That's what I want. I want you in good spirits so we can have a frank and free-flowing conversation over these next few minutes. Yeah, let's do that, man. Let's do that. You always do that, Ryan Clark. First of all, let me say this to you. Muzzle Tub on the two-game winning streak, things were looking quite bleak there in the first month of the season, huh? They were. Uh, they were. I mean, you know how it is in Pittsburgh. Yep. You can't lose two games in a row, let alone four. Uh, so it was really tough, especially to start the season that way. You come into the season with such high hopes, expecting big things from a team, expecting to win football games, and it seemed like we did everything to lose them early. Uh, but during the bye week, you know, I kind of took some flack here or a big stink was made saying I made a guarantee we'd make the playoffs or a promise that we'd make the playoffs. I never said anything even close to that. But what I did say is we have an opportunity with the remaining schedule to make a run, you know, at the division, to make a run and get the opportunity to play in the playoffs. And I think, you know, with, with winning these two games, we have another opportunity this week against Oakland to win the AFC game. And if we can do that, that's three AFC games in a row. 
Yeah, but, you know, I, I, it's right because, you know, I talked to some of the media guys back there in Pittsburgh uh, week to week. And, yeah, you really were getting beaten up by the local guys there. A lot of the local media said, oh, no, Ryan Clark said this. We have it on tape. And then he went after Big Ben and Big Ben shouldn't play like Big Ben. Where do you stand now with all that stuff? Is that all, is that all cleared up? Is that all in the rearview mirror? You know, I'm not necessarily sure it's cleared up as far as the media was concerned. Uh, the one thing I do find uh, extremely funny about the media is anybody who deals with me, who's ever interviewed me, ever had opportunity to talk to me after a game, I don't leave anything bleak. I don't leave anything gray, anything vague. Uh, what I say is what I say is going to be extremely clear. It's going to be black and white. I'm not one of those players where you have to add your opinion or infer as to what I was thinking. You're going to know what I said and how I meant it. Now, if you break that up and if you edited it, you can make it say whatever you want. But if you take what I say in its totality, take it as a whole, um, you'll know what I mean. You know, as far as the playoff thing, I said I feel like with the remaining schedule, having five division games, that we will have opportunity to make a push at the playoffs. And I also said, you know, and, and it's regarding Big Ben, I was asked a question about Ben's quotes. Ben had one quote saying we're the worst team in the league, another quote saying it's hard not to try to do too much as far as the worst thing in the league. I said I feel like he was emotional. It was after the game. It's miserable in Pittsburgh when you lose. So I can see how he feels that way, but I don't agree. I don't think Big Ben agrees. And that's when I went on to say how I feel like we can make a playoff push. Uh, as for the other thing, saying that Big Ben shouldn't play like Big Ben, I never said those words. You can make those words up. You can say, oh, I feel like he said this or Ryan Clark said this, but you can't quote me saying that. What you can quote me saying is we have to help him protect him from having to feel like he has to do too much. Defense needs to play better. We need to run the ball better. We had to block better. We also needed to, you know, get open as receivers, play better special teams. But on the same side of that, Ben had to spearhead that effort by understanding that as we were constructed, the play, the people we had on the team, we weren't good enough for him to have to, to improv and for us to take sacks and have turnovers. I think all the people around him have stepped up to make him feel like he didn't have to do that. But if you watch the way Ben has played, he's played mistake-free ball. He's been extremely good. And when he plays like that, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Mm -hmm. And so if people want to make a stink about it and if I get beat up, I really don't care. Uh, I'm loyal to the men in that locker room. I'm a captain. I'm going to say what I think is best for our team. You weren't literally beat up, though, right, just to be clear? Uh, nobody Basically. is that brave. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that because I get I get offended when people come after you. But let me ask: in the locker room, is it weird? Do you got? I mean, like whenever you have like a dust up with a coworker, it's always like an awkward exchange where somebody comes up, <laughs> "Hey, uh, can I talk to you in the in the in the lunchroom for a second? Like, uh, is it? Did you guys? Did you have a conversation with Ben? Like, <laughs> he that has at Ben all? leering at you across <laughs> the locker room. Hey, Ryan, should we have hey, a talk hey, here? Sweet, sweet. I wasn't, you know, it really wasn't like that. Um, I don't think in that situation he ever heard the comments. Uh, but with the media making a big stink about it and bringing it up, I mean, you guys are part of the media. You know how it is. Uh, I'm sure they didn't walk up to him and say, well, Ryan said they need to play better around you to make sure you felt like you didn't have to do too much, which is what I said. I'm sure they went to him. How do you feel about Ryan's comments? Are you upset about his comments? And, you know, so we had a conversation. The one thing about me is, um, you know, I stand by what I say uh, both publicly and privately. You know, we had those talks. He understands how I feel about him as a player. Uh, I'm a guy who's always had his back in any opportunity of getting to speak of him. You know, uh, while Ben was suspended, he went to see my son play football at 8 o'clock. He'll always have my love just for that alone as a person, you know, more than just a quarterback. 
And so it was handled. You know, we had a discussion. Um, I believe it went well. Uh, you know, we're fine. Everything's good with us. And I think that's what you do. When you're, when you're two leaders of a team, when you're two guys who a team counts on uh, to lead both on and off the field, you know, you're going to have those things happen. But if you handle it like men, talk about it like gentlemen, and you move on. It's very interesting, and I do always remember what you told us. I guess that was last uh, July or August. You told us that story about, yeah, you were out of town. Big Ben went out to see your kid play soccer, and you swore lifelong loyalty to the guy as a result of doing that. That's why when I started hearing these stories, I thought, I don't think there's a real kerfuffle between these two fellas. I just don't see it. I don't think Ryan Clark would go after Big Ben in any sort of personal way based on that story you told us over the summer. No, I really wouldn't. I really wouldn't. Like I said, I was asked a question. You know, uh, when 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 the stories are put out, it's put out like I went on TV or I went at and said, hey, let me talk about Big Ben. Everybody gather around and let me talk about Ben Roethlisberger. I didn't do that. I was asked a question. I answered the question. Now I can start being one of those people who refuses to do interviews. I can be one of those people who refuses to answer certain questions. That's not how, you know, I've conducted myself during my during my career. I've decided to answer questions, win or lose. I've decided to be, to uphold my obligations to the CBA, you know, to, to do these interviews. And so I was asked these questions, you know, and I, asked, I answered them honestly. Um, but I would never just go after any teammate, whether it's Ben or anybody else, negatively. If I had something negative to say about them, I would tell them first. And so it wasn't a, a negative, uh, it wasn't a negative place I was coming from. It was just honest. It was just truthful, understanding that these are the things I felt like we had to do as a team to win. I think anytime you speak of a quarterback ever, it's a problem. You can talk about anybody else on the team, but you can't say anything about a quarterback that's not glowingly positive mm-hmm. unless he's Josh Freeman. Oh, so somebody was watching Monday Night Football this week, huh? <laughs> no, it wasn't even about Monday Night Football. But, you know, Josh Freeman got yeah. beat up. Every week in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's true. That's true. And, that's, and it's very odd. You, you know a quarterback's probably on his way out and doesn't have the, the trust and the backing of a coach or a team when every week something negative is coming out of his own camp about him. Yeah, that was really wild. And and uh, as far as Shiano goes, he really was hanging himself out there. I You know, of all the bashing of Josh Freeman over the last couple of days now, the thing that stands out to me, one, Eli Manning must have enjoyed it because it uh, obscured his pretty mediocre performance against the Vikings. And two, Greg Shiano had to be happy because if Josh Freeman plays well, that really probably seals his fate in Tampa. Wait a second. You just let that guy go and he just torched the Giants? Now you're really doomed, you know? Yeah, I think so. But even, you know, aside from that, I don't think Josh is in a really good situation to succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, not having practice with the team a lot. Not having much time to really get a grasp of the playbook. You know, it's extremely hard to go out there and perform at a high level with a new group of people, a new group of players, a new group of coaches in a different setting. Uh, so I don't know how, how well he was set up to succeed. Um, but I think he can still play. I think he, he will have opportunity. Uh, the situation in Tampa was, to- was toxic. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything good was going to come for that. So for both sides, it was probably best for that to happen. But I hope he plays well. 
I hope he, you know, finds a spot and lands and does extremely well. Yeah, I'm not trying to apologize for the guy. I have, uh, you know, I have no reason to, you know, be in his camp or out of it. But I will say he did throw a strike to Jerome Simpson with it uh, with, with in a manageable game there. If that's a touchdown pass, if Josh if Jerome Simpson doesn't ca- doesn't drop it there, it's a three point game. He probably gets some confidence going, and maybe uh, the Heat wouldn't be as intense. But I guess that's the NFL. And speaking of the Heat. What about, you're a safety, what about, as we jump around, and Ryan Clark is sure to be a national analyst at some point very soon, whether it's at the NFL Network or elsewhere, he's one of the very best in the business already, and he's still wearing a uniform. What about this Brandon Brandon Merriweather jazz? You're a guy who's taken some heat for the hits you've delivered over the years. Mm -hmm. Brandon Merriweather, though, seems like he's taken it to another level. Are you in the camp that, hey, lighten up, everybody. He's just doing his job. Does he seem like he's from a different time who just can't learn the new rules, the new hitting techniques? Where do you stand on this? You know, I don't know. You know, I, I think, you know, everybody's been extremely tough on him. And, and some of it's warranted, you know, for a guy to repeatedly be fined. Uh, you have to do something to try to get your point across to him that, look, we're not going to allow this to happen. You know, so I understand that. Uh, some of the comments that he should never be able to play football again, um, I think that's going a little far to outlaw the guy from playing football. But we do need to do something that he understands what the new rules are. You know, there were times where some of the hits that he's delivered were fair. You know, I also, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he was even flagged for the hit on – uh, on Eddie Lacy early in the season, you know, then he knocks his own his, his own self you know, himself out, hitting James Starks on the sideline, and um, you know I don't think it was a flag on either one of those plays. So I think that's just the way he plays football. He plays a football game, hitting people up high. He's going to have to adjust that at some point if he wants to continue playing. Uh, I'm not sure. I know he sees it as a negative because he continues to get fined, continues to get flagged. Now he's suspended. I'm just not sure he wants to, he him he himself wants to legislate that out of his game, and if he doesn't, I think he's going to find himself on the outside looking <laughs> in at football because he's hurting his team and he's hurting himself. Yeah, someone's going to legislate him out of the league if he keeps doing it. Wait, Is it about- a product? Let me ask one question though. Is uh. Uh, because uh, our pal here, Handsome Hank, forwarded a pretty interesting hypothesis. It's not just the people are going away from hitting head-to-head, going uh, hat-to-hat, and now are going at the knees. Is there, because of the lack of um, uh, of camps and stuff over the course of the season, is there is it are, are guys now out of practice of good ta- uh, tackling technique? Um, you know, even before, even before, the new CBA came in and certain practices uh, were outlawed and there were certain things that you couldn't do in practice. Uh, I feel like we did, you didn't hit a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when you start, when, when the Bob Sanders of the world started coming around and when the Troy Palomalus of the world started coming around, along, guys who make tackles without using their arms, uh, you know, flying at guys' legs or, you know, quote-unquote launching at them um, in certain ways, and it looks good when you get a guy on the ground like that. It's pretty, you know. So now you see younger kids try to do it, and then you see guys in college try to do it. And I think it's not being taught throughout the ranks as guys come up. So I think that's a little bit where the the tackling has fallen off, both in its efficiency, uh, as you see defenses miss, miss tackles a lot playing the game now, and also in the legality 
of what the NFL is trying to legislate. So I don't necessarily think it's because of the camp. I just think it's the overall lack of teaching the proper way uh, to tackle. Um, and in, and in, in our profession and, and where we are in our situation professionally, it's just tough to spend time tackling every day when there's so much else you have to worry about in order to stop these teams from scoring points. Hmm. You talk about the lack of tackling. I say the hit of the weekend was delivered by Pat McAfee, the punter of the Indianapolis Colts. Did you check out his form? And if you ask me, he might have gone a little helmet to helmet on that guy. Should he be fined? Well, you know, it was a runner. It, it, it was it was a runner. Uh, I wouldn't call it targeting. Uh, I guess we have to, you know, it wasn't one of those target with the crowd of the helmet type things. We also have to realize you're saying he went helmet to helmet. Trendon, who went to LSU, who's, you know, he's an LSU alum like yeah. myself. Of course, he's a little bit taller than a little person. <laughs> you know, and I wanted to use the right term, little person, and not miss because I know that's well not done. correct. He's a little bit, Perfect. he's a little bit taller than a little person. So where else are you supposed to hit him? <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? It's either, it's either crawl on the ground and grab his shoestrings, <laughs> or you're going to end up hitting him high. So we got to give the punter, uh, the guy a break. But it was a great hit. It was a great hit. He used the sideline to perfection. He rolled his hips. He should be extremely proud of that. I'd be proud of that. Tiger on Tiger crime. Wow, yeah, that's uh, that <laughs> shots fired. Ryan Clark at Trenton Holiday. All right, real quick, a couple things for you, and then we'll let you go, Ryan Clark. First of all, the Raiders on Sunday, you're making mm-hmm. the trip out to the East Bay. How come? I, I know that you weren't even on some of these teams, but why over the last decade, as bad as the Raiders have been, why can the Steelers rarely beat this team? It seems like they have your number. Any talk it, about that in the locker room? Like, right, why don't we been, beat these guys? It's been crazy. It's, it's really been it's, it's been odd. Uh, we went out there and we went out there in 2006 and gave up 98 total yards of offense and we lost. I remember that one. I remember last year you when know, it looked like, oh, this game's in the bag, and then all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, right. you guys lost it. You know, I will say this for us in our current situation. Even though we're not a good enough team to overlook anyone, I think it really helps us that we've had so much trouble with the Raiders in years past. It helps us that. Hmm. You know, we haven't gone out and won a game in Oakland because coach doesn't have to doesn't have to talk the Raiders up to us. He doesn't have to tell us how good they are or how hard they will be to beat for us because it's proven. We've had trouble against this team no matter who was quarterbacking, no matter where we were playing. They've given us difficulties. They've, they've won games against us. So it allows us to continue to focus, to continue to work, and understand that this is going to be a tough game for us to win. You excited to chase around Terrell Pryor all day, Pittsburgh kid? <laughs> well, you know, it'll be good. Uh, he was a kid that we saw a lot, you know, around here mm-hmm. uh, back in Jeanette when he was when he was playing ball. He's obviously a hometown hero, superstar. Uh, but on Sunday, he's just going to be the the next guy, the next quarterback we're attempting to beat. But he just presents so many different situations and so many different ways that he can beat you using his legs, throwing the ball outside of the pocket, running the read option. So it's going to be a tough week of preparation to get ready for him. But I think Coach LeBeau, I was going to come up with some things that allows us to keep him in the pocket and make him a pocket passer, uh, which would give us opportunities to make plays on the ball. All right, so you so you got the Raiders, then you have to play the Patriots, and you have Calvin Johnson on the schedule. And hey, man, we just got to beat the Raiders. I first. know <laughs> it. I'm not asking you for your predictions because I know what you're going to say. There's not a game on the schedule you're going to say. Oh, I figure we'll lose that one. But the but at Baltimore on Thanksgiving night will be crazy. I have to make you aware of something because you know Ryan. When you, we've sat down, the one rule we have: no jive. And I want to make right. you. I want you to be fully aware of what's going on. Sunday, December fifteenth. 
the Cincinnati Bengals, the team that I feel like I said before the season I thought might win this division. They're coming into Pittsburgh, into Heinz Field. It may be a big one. It's Sunday night. I want you to know something. Cornerback Terrence Newman of the Bengals has become a bit of a friend here on the show. We we like him. I'm not going to say he's better than you, but he understands that I'm a Steelers fan, and he's attempted to woo me to the Bengals' sideline. <laughs> he offered me. I want you to know something. He offered me a seat on the bench for the game as long as I rooted for the Bengals. How say you? I say, you know what? If you would even consider that, you're not the guy I thought you were. Hmm. Oh, so now it's challenging my honor. You know, and after speaking to your mother on the phone, <laughs> while, you know, while in L.A., yeah, I have to say I would be extremely, not not upset, not mad, even worse, I would be extremely disappointed in you <laughs> if you even considered that. That's something my own mother wow. would say, and I'm sure she parks her car in the same garage as you. Wow, Ryan Clark. All right, so I I have to really spend some serious time looking at the man in the mirror and asking myself what I'm all about. Would I really trade my honor for a front row seat to that game? I don't know yet, but I, I'm leaning your way, Ryan Clark. And I'm rooting for you guys to keep on going now. Beat them Raiders and beat them Patriots, and let's see if we can make something special. It'll be grand. Yes, sir. Well, y'all have a good one. All right. You too, Ryan Clark. Good luck to LSU the remainder of the SEC season two, and uh, and hopefully we'll catch up sooner rather than later. All right. Have a good one, guys. do 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 da 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 down ba da da boom bam bam dave what a fella, right, Rank? I love him. He covers the gamut. He addresses his personal strife with uh, with the Pittsburgh media. And trust me, like I say, as a guy who's been keeping an eye on it, he really has uh, – the, the local guys have been beating him up because they say, oh, he definitely said this. But I don't care what he says. He said. No, again, yeah, figuratively beating figuratively. him up. He has said – that you know that, that the media guys say, oh we, oh, we know he said it. We 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 were there. We watched him say it. And now he's backing <laughs> off of it. And so, so crazy. Um. So anyhow, so he does that. But that you know, you can also hear he can move pretty quickly into analyst role. He's on really the good. Merryweather stuff and everything else. Yeah. Um. And then lastly, it's interesting to hear from a football player that honesty that those guys because when we talk about with players and we do our inside out segment and we get the real poop from guys in the locker room and you know because we like to throw out our conjecture and then these guys either validate it or tell us we're crazy it's interesting that pro football players really are kind of like oh the raiders this week yeah, we don't really need our a game to beat them that's right. it he's like tomlin doesn't need, need to get us up this time around you know, that, that is kind of funny because they never, no one ever would say, yeah, we came out. We just thought we would roll over this team. That's interesting that he actually acknowledges that, uh, that they look at the schedule and are like, yeah, ah, look at this. That's hey, Oakland. Hey, let's try uh, Landry Jones this week. Let's make a let's make it a sporting game here with them Raiders. He's probably begging to play quarterback at some point during practice. <laughs> and speaking of the straight poop from players, uh, I don't know if you caught B.J. Raji in the uh, Packers game. No. On uh, Sunday, of course, they're wearing those throwback uniforms. He had a big wet spot. Oh, no. On his on the seat of his pants. And one of the former players here just said, oh, yeah, he wet himself. Well, There's no, we... no way. Because I don't want to say who told me, but I, I'll just say that he's on NFL Fantasy Live with me. Oh, I know exactly who it is. Akbar Bajabiamilla yeah. has sat in this room. And just... when we've done our Inside Out segment... I said, where do they go to the bathroom? He says 90% of football players who've spent any time at least playing the game have uh, have made water That's on themselves. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's absolutely correct. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. that. See, these are the insights that you can. So learn. we need to get Akbar back. I, I have to say it again. You know, you know what I, I I pat I don't I'm not one to pat myself on the back more than like 17 times a day, but um, I will say collectively, this proves journalism. Our ability to eat uh, to to eat uh, haggis crisps and to talk about players making water on themselves and so on unparalleled. Huge in uh, in in sports media. Nay. Media period. I think the we're doing NFL the NFL game is not played in Studio sixty six. That's right, Steve I Smith. Either. I can't. I can't disagree with that. But I don't. I feel like it's a shot, and I don't want any part of that. I don't want any of that conflict. It's nothing but he positives could, today, Steve Smith. I know. I wish we could. We could capture Black Tie's smug look on his face when he gets so when pleased. he gets when he gets a drop a drop a drop like that. He is so proud of himself. Wow, well, good for you. He is so little. Just let him have it. Let them have it. I can't, you for that. All right. I can't. I, so <laughs> Percy Harvin coming back too. By the way, yeah. yeah. I keep saying it. I know. I'm not going to hold you up any longer. But I keep saying it. I'm going to say it to you now, Rank. If Percy Harvin mm-hmm. can, and, and Von Miller's a big return, and Rob Gronkowski's a big return. But if Percy Harvin, as well as the Seahawks, are already playing without him, if Percy Harvin gives them one so-called splash play a game. Who could possibly beat them? Because That's, you could you could be in range. I can see. I mean, obviously the Colts beat them, but the, the, the there's a chance that come uh, January a team will be within range of them. But if Percy right. Harvin gives them one splash play, that could be the difference for me. You know what? That's as good as the defense and the running and everything else are. But as you said that, just mentioning the Colts as an aside, they've beaten the Seahawks and the amazing. Broncos. I know. Remarkable. You know what? I, you know, somebody should and, write, uh, and in the stick, they beat the Forty ers Somebody should write a column like, "Hey, the Colts aren't getting enough respect." <laughs> you get to that. You have to go to, do that right go. after you get off your TV. Rank. It's been go. a pleasure. There he goes, everybody. Wait, hold on, I got to do my my sleepers. But uh, uh, just before I go, I just want to say, Black Tie, we'll miss you. Uh, good luck <laughs> in your future endeavors because that's happening, right? This is is this? A, I mean, if I you mean, the wheels it, are in motion. If you want to do it while I'm here, I'd appreciate. Yeah, I don't it. know why you're sitting here. <laughs> I don't even know who these people are anymore. Percy Harvin. Charles was, Woodson. Oh, that was Charles Woodson confronting me on the Top 100 show this last summer. I don't even know why you're here, he said yeah, to I me. I don't even know why you're sitting here. That hurt my feelings. <laughs> then I told Mo Damashek about it, and she did not. Oh, no. Mo she, Damashek. She texted. She texted me during the show. I reported this to Charles Woodson. She said, I don't like the way that Charles Woodson is talking to you. She liked Jerome uh, Warren Sapp very much. She didn't like Charles Woodson, though. I told him as much on the air. He backed off right quick. He Real did not quick. like that. He did not like hearing that Mo Damashek was not in his camp after that. All right, Rank, good luck to you, you. on TV. Congratulations on the Dieter Brock drop. All-time victory. There he goes, our main man here on uh, the Dave Damashek football program. And... As always, the funniest man at the NFL media. All right, so there Rank goes out of Studio 66, and like magic, in come one Mr. Elliot Harrison, who you know from his NFL.com power rankings each week, his weekly picks, and of course his weekly appearance here on our second Dave Damashek football program each week. Welcome to episode number 200 to you, EH. Thank you. I, I, uh, I'm pleased to be here. Moreover... I don't really know where I was going. <laughs> Moreover. Yeah. You just wanted to work in more over into pretty a much, conversation. Pretty yeah. much. And also, of course, all the way from across the Atlantic Ocean, he's the Dolphins' greatest fan that we know. Dark days for him on that front, but happy days, of course, for us anytime he joins us in 66, especially for the auspicious occasion of number 200. It's Handsome Hank. 
He's handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. His name is Handsome Hank. He's handsome Hank. He's handsome Hank. He's handsome Hank. Hello, handsome. How are you? I am very well indeed. Thank you, Dave. Congratulations on reaching the ripe old age of two hundred. <laughs> Thank you. And yes. by the way, I've read ahead. Yeah. And there are some big things for coming for you. Oh, yeah, really? I've read it. I've, I'm on book like 305 now. Ooh. And there's some great stuff. Black Tie's not in it anymore after what happens in 204. <laughs> uh, and that is it by episode. his own hand or? Oh. Don't start. Don't no, 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 spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. You know how he is. I know, I know is. how he is about spoiler <laughs> alerts, but believe me, it's ugly. Does Gargamel um, make it in at any time? No. Gargamel? No. You don't remember Gargamel? Of course. Do I remember Gargamel? Of course I know who Gargamel is. How would, why would he appear? All right, I have a question for you. Better villain, Gargamel or Skeletor? Skeletor. 80s cartoon. Skeletor? Skeletor. But his voice, he had that weird voice. But he had good backup. I've you look done, at the team around him, he'd assembled that, a great that's team. That's a good point. Many years ago, well before it became hacky and everybody started doing 64 team brackets on every subject under the sun. Well, I guess I did it on an NFL uniform, so you know, I'm throwing stones at myself, among others. But long ago, when it was still semi-distinctive to do such things, I did one for movie villains of all time. I did 64 of them, and neither one of those names even made my list. Well, because they're not movies. The, they're the not movie movies anyway. Is, but yeah. is something we don't even discuss. We're yeah. going to get to the red challenge flag picks here. Don't don't uh, fret everybody. But I I was uh, I walked by somebody in the newsroom yesterday who had just completed his lunch that was China was from a Chinese takeout place and he had the fortune cookies and there were two so he and I both opened them and I and uh, it was very romantic the whole thing and. Um, I said, yeah, you got to read your thing, and I'll take the other one. And so we did. We opened them. And, of course, like, I, I can't – I must be the millionth person to observe this. I can't really buy the fortunes, not just because I'm a cynic in general, but until they start integrating some negative ones. Wouldn't mm. that be nice? Wouldn't that be fun if, if fortunes – if fortune cookies actually had negative, uh, ominous sort of uh, sort of predictions for, for what's coming up for you? You will soon find out just how much your coworkers dislike you. <laughs> like, things like that. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> Enjoy yeah. your time now because you ain't going to be around much longer. Yep. You know, those kind of things. Then it would put a chill, and then you'd be like, ooh, we got to crack these things. I think people have stopped opening for fortune cookies because they're hollow but, yeah, it's too, literally it's and figuratively we need some negativity in mm -hmm. i don't like the way they taste i kind of oh, as they're an adult taste i i kind of can take them now as a kid i was like what's the point of this it's a piece of cardboard yeah right not good all right let's what is good is the red challenge flag segment in spite of the fact that handsome hank and elliot harrison refuse to provide us with the essential conflict that all drama needs they tend to park their cars in the same garage as we go through the biggest games each week and one guy gets to pick the game the other one has the opportunity to throw the red challenge flag and explain why the other is wrong let's get into it now and I'm going to start with you, Handsome Hank. Okay. What I consider the most compelling game of the of the uh, Week 8 slate here, it's the Dallas Cowboys traveling to Detroit to play those Lions. Who's going to win it? Toughest game of the week to pick. I, I kind of think so. What, what, I, what, I, what I think is interesting about it is whoever wins is hereby legit. Now, this is, this is a team that really is in good shape to try and win its division, should make the playoffs, and so on. The other one you might raise an eyebrow at. 
now the Cowboys right. are in a lousy division, so they're not out of the playoff mix. Yeah, but they're I not don't... a team that you will if they if they can't go into Detroit mm-hmm. and beat them, you'll kind of be like, eh, same old Cowboys. They're fine. Not going to win the Super Bowl or anything. I think right. it will be our opinion. Anyway, go uh, ahead. I've I have picked for this game the Detroit Lions, uh, and I'm going to stick with that pick. Okay. I'm going to throw a challenge flag yeah. on that. You know, every time the Cowboys should win a game, they lose. And I pick against them and they lose. The Cowboys, their defensive line is ransacked. They're starting two guys that didn't even play football last year. Okay, that's how bad it is. They got Joseph Randall in at tailback. All right, they're starting a rookie at wide receiver. And they got Cole Beasley doing damage out of the slot. DeMarco so they, Murray did sort of practice on Wednesday. Okay. There's a I, chance. I don't know. There's yeah, a there's chance a chance. I don't like it. So when all signs point to Dallas losing, and by the way, historically, they're terrible in Detroit. Now they're going to win. They're just baiting me. Yeah, to, they're to baiting. I, I get it. I like the reverse psychology there that you pulled on the entire Cowboys team. Well, if you're a newcomer to this podcast, Elliot uh, does not hide the fact that he's a Cowboys fan. You know, listen, I was uh, I was surprised that they could go in there to what the in the Philly last weekend and knock him off. And Foles was atrocious and maybe got conked on the head and just was never right because he was throwing some really abysmal passes. As I referred to it, it was Gabbardian. You know, he was he was wildly inaccurate right out of the gate and just never got on track. And, uh, of course, now uh, Mike Vick takes over. But still, shouldn't Shady McCoy have been able to make hay against what you say was a completely diminished defense that was already pretty crummy? You bet. He should have. But I think when you take guys off the street, they're usually better against the run than they are Mm -hmm. pass rushers. Because if they're pass rushers, they're going to find a place as a situational guy. And let's not forget who the Cowboys have at linebacker. Sean Lee is the real deal in the middle. He is a Pro Bowl, almost all-pro level performer, if not already. And Bruce Carter can play the run very well. Boy, oh boy, the Romopologists are running out of uh, other excuses to point at as that defense strengthens now, and, the, and Des Bryant emerges as the number two to to Calvin Johnson. They haven't had much to Romopologize for. <clears throat> no, indeed. Since, since Denver. Um, next game, and, and I got to say, right out uh, after you get past that one, it feels pretty straightforward to me. I won't be angry with either of you guys if you don't disagree going forward. So, of course, we'll disagree. <laughs> well, let's go to this one. Fair's fair. You're a Cowboys fan, EH. Let's go to the Miami Dolphins now sliding at the New England Patriots, who themselves have not been world beaters outside of that last-minute drive against the Saints a couple weekends ago. I, I'm taking the Patriots in this game. I know they're injured on defense, but Miami hasn't shown. They've got the mediocre express in the backfield. They don't have a passing game that can get to the sticks or throw vertically, it seems like, and they never play well in New England, so I have no reason to pick them over the Patriots. New England wins. Handsome. Golly. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you know People, I, by the way, handsome went wild for your when we opened a package from Scotland and we found some, we found some treats in there. Edinburgh sent from Edinburgh and beyond. And Edinburgh. How do you say it? Edinburgh. It's spelled Edinburgh, though, right? I know it's spelled Edinburgh, but, but that's not how you say it. People went wild for your American impression. Mm. Was that uh, was it? Ed, wait, so it's Edinburgh? Yeah, oh, Edinburgh. I, I didn't know that. I thought well, it was there you Edinburgh. Go. I'm here to educate. As I well appreciate as that. That's what I try to do with our football to you. Yeah. I try to help you learn Back about Back again. It. Thank you very much for all your help so far. All right. Um, I don't think the Miami Dolphins can win this game either. That said, I don't I, I you know, I think we've all seen that the Patriots have won ugly through the course of this season and if the Dolphins can do what, what teams have done to the Patriots when they've beaten them, which is get pressure on Tom Brady, which is, you know, 
play well against those rookie receivers and and kind of frustrate him in that sense. I, th- there's no, there's no. This isn't going to be one of those typical kind of Miami goes into New England gets blown out and it's a foregone conclusion. I could see the Dolphins winning this. I just don't see them winning it. Do you want a fun fact, Dave? I I love that. Do you like fun, fun facts? Yeah. Okay, last time. It's one of I, my pa- having uh, doing things I enjoy like having fun is one of my passions. So yes, lay it on me. All right, fun fact. The last time that Miami went into New England and won was the 2008 season and that game was the unveiling of the Wildcat game when Ronnie Brown ha, threw the right. touchdown they won 37 excuse me I'm looking at it right now 38 to 13 and everyone thought all oh, the Wildcat was the new way of offensive football. Can I tell you one of my true NFL stories that Black Ties always always asking me to do. Mm-hmm. So in 2008 that uh, that game was week 4 I believe of that season and uh, I spent the day um, with San Diego Chargers defensive end Luis Castillo who on the Sunday, who was they were playing on Monday night against the Jets, I want to say, um, a North Turner uh, run team. And uh, Luis Castillo was showing me what he does on a day off to prepare for the game. His mother c- cooks some delicious uh, home cooking, um, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, as the game's going on, I, you know, uh, there certainly weren't smartphones, but I, somehow I knew that this was happening and that the Dolphins were, I didn't know how, but the Dolphins were winning this game. So I said, you know, hey, can we turn on the TV? I just want to see this. He, <laughs> Taking over the remote of an no, NFL. I, I just said, you know, hey, have you? Whoa, look at this. He refused to put it on because he does not allow the Patriots on TV in his house. I love it. You see, I was like, he said, you can watch any of the other games. You're not putting the Patriots. That on. would be very frustrating in the short term, but you have to admire. I, oh, you yeah. know, the Steve Smith, our old pal Steve Smith, getting into a kerfuffle with Janoris Jenkins this weekend. All that kind of stuff just makes football way more fun to me. The Jim Ursay, Peyton Manning, people get, people just are missing the point of all that. You know, like the around the league guys. They they want to immediately just stamp it out like no 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 you're reading too much. who cares so right. what it's we want to read into it that's yes. what's fun about the game yeah that's it's it's great stuff that a guy that an NFL player hates the New England Patriots you know I what? like hearing that and what's really interesting is growing up in Dallas when the Redskins and Cowboys played it was a huge game when I mm-hmm. was a kid it was always a summer all Madden or primetime game never was it called by somebody else and it was more of a story back then that Drew Pearson. And Joe Theismann were friends because the rest of the teams right. hated each other. Hated each other. I mean, unacceptable to, to be glad handing with the other guy. Now well, they go out to dinner before the night before and it, everything. Exactly. So Pearson and Theismann went to high school together. They were from uh, New Jersey, and that was the only thing that was allowed to have any kind right. of banter between between two guys. So in 1983, they're both 12 and two. They're playing for home field. The Redskins score a touchdown at Texas Stadium, and they start to do their little fun bunch where they all get in a circle and they jump to give a high five. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys' defensive backs were so spoiled. I remember Brad's Dennis Thurman and all those yes, guys Michael getting in Downs, the middle of it. They got in the middle of it to try to break it up, and you know, it, you don't have that in football anymore. You don't have that, and that's what made that so fun. And honestly, you could point to the salary cap because teams could keep their backups for years. So you right. hated – I mean, as a Steeler fan, you probably hated – the, the Oilers or the Bengals backups. Here's a fun fact. Yeah, well, listen, here's a quick fun fact for you that I know Elliot Harrison knows, and I bet you know this, Handsome Hank, too. In Super Bowl X, when those two teams, the Cowboys and Steelers, played each other, the only guy who wasn't drafted by that team, so it's, I don't remember how many guys were on the roster at that time, 44 probably. probably 40 or 43. Okay, so so of all the players, mm-hmm. they every Pittsburgh Steeler had been drafted, drafted by, the, by the Steelers, and every Cowboy 
Conway had been drafted by the Cowboys, save Preston Pearson of the Cowboys, who had been drafted by the Steelers. That is the coolest. <laughs> that's a cool yeah. fact. That's about as cool a stat as you can that as you can cool. come up with. Um, anyway, yeah, we're far from that uh, at this point. That's why I always say, listen, the the commission on down should be pushing to the players. Don't talk about how your friends. That uh, hey, I respect the hell out of blank player on the other team. No, no, no. Don't ever admit that. That's bad. WWE. Go open up the WWE playbook. Play from uh, the way they do stuff to hype things. Anyway, all right. Hey, real quick, though, I want to ask you, Handsome, as a fan, how upset are you by or, or, or concerned or sort of um, – this has been a quick slide. The, mm-hmm. the Dolphins were early on a very good story, and I still think that the pieces are there I, for I them to the turn it around. Still there. I, I agree. I think the pieces are still there. But you can point to exa- – like teams, when you start the season, first first start, they got lucky in a couple of games. They had a couple of close games that they won, and equally they've had Atlanta, a couple of close games now that they've lost. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised. If you'd asked me before week one, I wouldn't have been surprised that this was their record at this after six games. That said, um, the weakness is clearly the offensive line, which plays into the running game, which plays into the fact that Ryan Tannehill appears to be taking a, a step backwards, a slight step backwards. Brian McKinney's, I don't think, going to be the answer to that and certainly shouldn't be seen as anything more than a very short-term fix. But um, but if they could get that straight now, if McKinney comes in and plays, plays left tackle and can do better than Jonathan Martin, Martin slides back to right tackle and does... You know, Last year when he played that position, he was good, and certainly Tyson Clabo has not been good up until this point. Maybe maybe they get something sorted out. I think they can... They are built... They seem to be built to win close games. I agree with that, and it's interesting that, I, you know, it's a long season, as people like to say, and we are just seven weeks now in, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins wind up 10-6 and six or even 11-5, and five, but I think that they're going to look back and really regret losing to the Bills there with that. That's, a, that's a game that they just, that's not a game that you can give away. Right. Well, if you want to catch the Patriots, one thing you're going to have to do is split with them, presumably get the game when they come down to Miami in Foxborough. They're probably not going to get, now they steal that game, who knows, but as it's stands currently they could be four and two right so they take that loss to the Patriots but that's a bad loss but what at I home do like about that team and I think it means you're always going to be in the game is that their secondary is pretty strong and their defensive line and the rotation they have of players in the defensive line mean that they can consistently get pressure on quarterbacks the thing that I hated and I, I called Hank the other day and told him on the phone that I hated about that loss we're so starved for good NFL teams right now I mean we, we have a watered down league I mean there, there's just all these teams are so mediocre if you look at that Dolphins loss, okay, it was at home to a team starting an injured backup quarterback. That Lewis not fully healthy, and it, clearly he's not the starter there. Their most dynamic player on offense had seven total yards from scrimmage, C.J. Spiller. The play of the game was delivered by a defensive back that couldn't play nickel for most NFL teams, and Miami's at home. How do you how do you lose that? It's game? A, just a bad one. But, but they are they're not they're, the the current team at least is not built to blow teams out. They're always going to be in every game they're in this season. I guarantee is going to be within, within five six yeah. points. And they're, for, they're not going to blow anyone out, and they haven't done for a long time. And La- Luis Castillo included in this. I, if you don't reside in the New England region of this country, it's a shame because the Dolphins because the Patriots are ready to be had. You can right. see we've been saying that for now a year that 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 team is good but they're not they're not a world beater anymore and if the dolphins were playing a little bit better you would really i think we'd really but you know like we say if they win on sunday then we will uh, resume that uh, that uh, dolphins on their way to the playoffs talk real quick before you go handsome and then uh, bucky brooks jumps in here with me and eh redskins at broncos let's go for one more here the redskins at the broncos all the talk this week 
RG3 is back. How say you? I think he's back, but I don't think the Redskins beat the Broncos. I think the Redskins' defense is, is horrific, and, and the Broncos are going to put up a lot of points. All right, so, well, that's that's as close to a good game as we have left here. I, I'm gonna board. I'm gonna agree with that. You know, I think the Redskins they've been running more read option. I talked to Alfred Morris uh, on Fantasy Live Wednesday, and I noticed they've been running the ball more. And you want to do that because you run clock and you limit sure. Peyton Manning's touches, right? Broncos have the number one run defense in the league, and it's not just because they've had big leads. I went and looked at the numbers; they're allowing 3.29 yards per carry. I mean, that's that's the real deal right there. They got Terrence Knighton in the offseason from Jacksonville. Used to play under Del Rio. And uh, they're just not playing well on the back end. That's the problem with Denver. Well, and Champ Bailey looks like that's going to be a season. It might be a career uh, thing at this point. Yep. He's old enough now that he maybe never fully comes back. He yep. might be a Steve Nash, uh, a football version of Steve Nash. He's long in the tooth is the bottom line. Um, yeah, I went, and, and here's more bad news for Broncos fans. This game is being played outside, and the weather is starting to chill a little bit. That's not good for Peyton Manning. He doesn't like when those things happen. All right, handsome Hank, I bid you good day, sir. Go over to Edinburgh or wherever you're headed right now. Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Um, no, Edinburgh. I think um, that's where before, Scotty was from in Star Trek. I think you're the right. Character Scotty. Before I go, I've got one mind-blowing stat for you. I love this one. Uh, every team that's lost to the Seahawks this season has lost the next week. So, so they're physically beaten is what we physically can read beaten. into that. So Arizona-Atlanta, another game which I had a hard time calling. The, hmm. the Falcons are on the road in, in and Arizona depleted. and depleted. May have an opportunity to win that one. Unless they break, <laughs> unless they break the, uh, the, that streak. I'm not laughing at you for sharing that. What I think is, isn't it amazing that, I mean, six, eight weeks ago, you would have said Atlanta is going to go into Arizona. Hey, they may have a chance of pulling that game out there. I mean, this is the Atlanta Falcons we're talking about. And, of course, there's no uh, wiggle room for them. They must win pretty much every game they play. And I don't want to ask a foregone conclusion off of Hank's point there, but has TD seen raising Arizona? Oh, Black Tie. Let's uh, let's let's play that. That's a good one because that's a great movie. Coen Brothers has Black Tie seen any Coen Brothers movie? Fargo. No. Has he seen Fargo? No. No. What are the best ones? Let's name the best ones. Fargo. Can I just say no to all of them? Oh, brother, where art thou? No. All right, Black Tie. Go ahead, lay it on us. I have not seen it. Real quick, before Hank gets out, actually, as he's walking out, a couple of quick DDFP notes. You started yes. at the top of the podcast saying two hundred. Well, we started this podcast May seventh, twenty eleven. Well, you and Rank did. That ah. was the first episode. I personally took over behind the glass on DDFP 32, which was in November in 2011. So I've been here way too long. And Is that right? I need to. I uh, feel like so for we've you've been here for pretty much the entire thing. Then wow, yes. I feel like you took over about halfway through. No, DDFP 32 is when I took over, and I, don't know how I feel about that. Uh, Since 2011, we've, including 200, we've have two. We've had 229 episodes in total. The reason for the extra 29 is we've had a couple of top 100 extras throughout yeah, the right, offseason, right, right. and we've had a few two-part episodes. Had one a couple of weeks ago. Yep, uh-huh. that's the right, the debate. two-part episode, yep. The most downloaded episode ever, you want to take a guess, Shaq? It would be, oh, I, I bet I know what it was. It was um, the Jerry Rice one. The Jerry Rice episode. When, I, when I asked Jerry Rice, yes. It was, I, again, I, I've said I don't want to, uh, on this glorious occasion of episode number 200, I don't want to cast aspersions on other media members. But how is it possible, E.H., that when Jerry Rice, Hall of Famer, he's been in the zeitgeist for now three decades, how is it that no one ever asked this man what, kind of rice he likes better white or brown you know it's weird that they did it was mind-blowing it's yeah, offensive that they no one has Jerry asked him was that. like what 
I yeah. agree, but how do we feel about Spanish rice? Is that not well? A- we got into all of it. We oh, went, yeah. we asked him about risotto. Yeah. We asked him about yeah. pilaf. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite? I well, listen. I enjoy a nice risotto, mushroom, if you please. Fungi, I believe they they call it uh, in the old country. Yes. And uh, second most risotto downloaded. con fungi, de fungi. Right, lastly, second most downloaded episode was actually seven episodes later, DDFP 180, and that's when we had we did the Madden 25 preview, and that got a lot of gamers interested as well. Because the gamers, sadly ironic, because I don't know how to play that game myself, and yet people yep. were listening to me talk. That's offensive. And, like, to, and to bring it full circle, the only game I ever seem to play is Star Wars Battlefront, which TD would know nothing about. Because I'm contemplating getting me one of them, uh, one of them, uh, well, not me. Well, I it would be ostensibly for the kids get like a wee fit but then i'll end up playing it quite a bit all right i met his lovely young daughter uh last week i think i saw her uh, knocking around where her while her old man was making some fancy tv stuff <laughs> here he comes into studio 66 right now it is uh personnel guru college football aficionado and beyond bucky brooks what's the poop with you fella uh, everything is good what's going on Shaq? Oh, so, yeah, up, man. hey bucky he does your stats pass up I do. He's ready. That's so <laughs> pathetic, isn't it? That's what he does. He does that because he knew you were coming in and he wants to brush you. He's had all kinds of ammo. <laughs> Bucky, should I get the kids a Wii Fit? Yeah. Is that your bad fathering to get them a video game machine? No, mine, mine already have. They do? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, put them on it. They'll, they'll play it. I like, fun. just as EH is trying to curry favor with you by having the stats pass up, I like that you're trying to impress me by wearing the Pirates hat. Very oh, nice, Oh, how about that? I knew, I knew yeah, you would. Very smart. Hey, first question for you guys is we are just talking about the Miami Dolphins and the Patriots and the AFC East. And if you take the QBs out of the equation – quarterback league and everything else and so that's what's most important but if we were to take the four starting qbs away are the patriots the least talented roster in the league i mean in the in the division hmm. talking 21 on 21 yeah Ooh. well i mean because they're pretty bad me personally i would probably because of miami's defense i would definitely put miami above them and i tell you the jets Jets are better on defense because uh, Mayo and Wilfork are hurt. The Jets have a good O-line. The yeah. Patriots have a good O-line, but they really don't have it. I mean, you know, listen, I, I, I guess I'm not even – it's a tough question to ask because Wilfork and Mayo are out, and uh, obviously if you take those two best that's players. Not, but he's bad. old anyway. He's old. Wilfork's pretty much uh, is coming down the uh, stretch here of his career. We take the quarterbacks out because I think Tom Brady masks a lot of their deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is not a receiver that you would really go Google Gaga over. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, so uh, so. Defense. I mean, I think you could say that they. I think you could say they're probably the worst. The fact that you even think about it, I mean, you might say the, Jet, the Jets are more talented on defense. I would mm-hmm. think that front that front seven is pretty good. So is Miami. Miami is loaded in certain positions. They have better wide receivers. Um, and you start picking out Bills players, Bucky, and just start naming Mario them off. Yes, Dart. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you can. That's not a stretch to say that. And who? Talented. What do you guys think then? So, is it an indictment of Belichick, or who is it that is responsible for the diminished uh, talent level of that team? It falls. It falls at his feet because he has complete control. He, he does. There's no one else in his ear that ultimately I is mean, there are other outweighing people, but, but him. But it all has to run past his desk. He's a head coach. He picks all the players. He decides what the roster is. It's, it's on him. And so when you look at the fact that they've been able to kind of sustain 
this run, this long run of excellence, a lot of it is attributed to the fact that Tom Brady is that good. I mean, Belichick is a great coach and all, but Tom Brady masks a lot of their offensive deficiencies, and he's done for a long time. John Fox is obviously coaching. I guess you could still make an argument, even in spite of what happened on Sunday night. John Fox is coaching the best team in the AFC, probably. And Marvin Lewis is coaching probably what you would say is the second best or third best team in the so AFC. You think the Denver Broncos are the best from a from a talent from top to bottom? No, no, no. I'm just oh, saying okay. teams. I'm, oh, I'm transitioning. Okay, okay, this okay, is okay. a pivot, Bucky, okay, to a new okay, subject, okay, you see. Right. I'm go- but so from that, and Belichick is regarded as the best coach. And on the other side, Pete Carroll is coaching what is probably the best team in the NFL, period, right now. All those guys are defensive coaches. In spite of that, it seems to me that if you look at the last couple of seasons, that all the new coaches that are having some success are offensive coaches. And that makes sense since it's a quarterback league and you have to have somebody who can sort of work one-on-one with that guy going forward. And it transcends just, it used to be, oh, that he has a QB coach or Bruce Arians is great with uh, quarterbacks. Now it's all about like, I mean, Bruce Arians now goes very quickly from being retired by the, by the Steelers to that great year with the Colts last year to now in, uh, in Arizona. So, what, if you were in a spot to make such a hire, why would you ever hire a defensive coach? Even though I just rattled off where you, the most successful teams have defensive coaches, but it doesn't jibe with the most important position on the field, which is quarterback at this point. Well, I think some of that is overblown. I think we make a lot about the quarterback position and a lot about how head coaches can get the best out of the quarterback. Um, I think what happens is when you become a head coach, you have less time to actually spend with the quarterback, less time to actually hmm. develop the quarterback. Uh Mike Holmgren was my coach in Green Bay, and then I worked for him in Seattle when he was executive vice president, head coach, and all the other titles that he had in Seattle. And the one thing that I believed with all the other responsibilities, it took away from what he was really good at, which was coaching and developing quarterbacks. And hmm. I think when owners make that decision that I'm going to hire an offensive guy, a quarterback guru, what they fail to realize is as the head coach, you have so many other things to juggle that it takes away from what you're really good at. And I think if you look at Jason Garrett, and the only reason I use Jason Garrett is because he's the most recent example because mm-hmm. he finally gave up play calling responsibilities because as the head coach, your job is to look at all three facets of the team, offense, defense, special teams. When you're the offensive coordinator and the play caller, your focus is laser locked on what calls do I want to make? Who do I need to get the ball? What's the situation when we get the ball back? And so it takes away from what can I do to help Tony or whatever because i got to look and see what the defense is doing and whatever. So our owners do it because they're familiar with scoring and what the TV people always talk about, but I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to go about it. I, I mean, I think those are great points. I mean, hands down right there, but i I, I got to say this. If I'm a, a, a head coach who's been known as a play caller, I'm going to call the colleague that I respect the most in the business. So let's say it's Bill Parcells, whoever, someone you're, all these coaches are close with one Mm -hmm. another. Bill Parcells used to call Tom Landry after losses Mm -hmm. and talk to him. And I'd say, do you think I can handle play calling and coaching and listen to what your colleague? And if he says no, then you get somebody else's butt up there in the press box and call play. Secondly, I want a quarterback's coach who my quarterback is really comfortable. He needs that guy to be a sounding board, kind of like Steve Young and Gary Kubiak Mm -hmm. when they were both in San Francisco. And then lastly, don't you find it ironic, to use your point, that you're talking about offensive minds going to new teams, being successful. Andy Reid is offensive mind. He goes to Kansas City. They're undefeated. But it's because the Chiefs defense has given up the fewest points in the league, not because of the offense. In fact, Alex Smith has played 
relatively poorly the last three weeks. You know, I, I, I think a big part of, you know, you talk about the success and offensive guys. I think you have to understand that the volume of offensive coaches getting head jobs is, is vastly different than your defensive-minded guys. We think about the hiring cycle. It's rare that a defensive coach gets the head job. Like Mike Tomlin was, a, was kind of an out-of-the-box hire. When you think about John Fox, because he had done it before, he had success in Carolina. But typically, those high defensive coordinators – it takes a couple of cycles before they get a job as opposed to a fly-by-night offensive guy. I think Todd Haley hmm. got, a head job, got a head job off of an altercation, an incident with Anquan Bolden on the sideline, and the fact that the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl, not because he had put up these phenomenal numbers and done all these things. Kurt Warner was chiefly responsible for those things, whereas a Perry Fuel, who was at one point the hottest head coaching candidate, he misses on that cycle. He may not ever get a head coaching job. So it's just a difference in perception, the way we look at offensive minds and the way offensive guys are, as opposed to defense. I think it's pretty interesting to consider, you know, I because this is something, obviously, I don't have to tell EH that, I, you know, I'm a Romo detractor. It doesn't mean I don't think he's great. Uh, it's just that he, he he comes up short in the biggest moments. Same thing is true of Peyton Manning. I've been taking a lot of abuse this week. I did the Sheck report this week. Mm-hmm. Number one was Peyton coming up short in the Super Bowl, <laughs> coming up in a big game again. And I, I, I floated the notion, and it really is. It, it sends a chill up your spine to think about this. What if Peyton Manning and Tony Romo played each other in the Super Bowl? Neither one comes through in the clutch, so the game would never end. It would just go on and on. The Meadowlands would be locked up. Alter would be October in 2014. Be like, can we get in there and play a game? The Jets and Giants would be begging for their chance. Nope, Super Bowl's not over yet. Still playing. Nobody can score in this one. But anyway, the point is this. What about it? It does when because of the thing people always throw back at me on Twitter and everything. Oh, you're a Steelers fan and you're just raw because your team's not good there. But isn't it interesting that that ultimately maybe a fundamental point, pretty obvious point? But a guy like Roethlisberger is never going to put up numbers because he has a defensive coach. True. And then John Fox. It's interesting. He is sort of the caretaker. He is basically the Joe Torre. Of the Yankees, it's not that he's imparting his philosophy. He's just, you know, broad stroking it, right? That well, John look, Fox is defensive, but it's not, it's not like they're a defensive team. Same way Belichick has basically long since turned that team over to Tom Brady. But you know, it took a long time. If you go back, look at the last two years. At the very first part of last season, the Broncos, I want to say, started out three and two or two and three. They didn't get off to a good start. That's right. And, and part of it was because Foxy was such a micromanager. He's so hmm. used to playing and coaching the game in a certain manner. So when we were the Carolina Panthers together, like the way that we played, we wanted to shorten the game. So we would take the play clock down to the very end. We would run it, punt it. If we got anywhere near the 40-yard line, John Casey would try it on a kick field goals because we were so good on defense, we felt like we could win like that. So he comes from that mentality as a defensive mind, shorten the game, run the ball, play defense, don't go forward on fourth down, Put your defense in a situation where they can win. You have Peyton Manning come over, who is used to, I kind of run the show, right, right, I'm the right. orchestra, we go for it, we're aggressive, it's about the offense, the defense just kind of, you know, get us the ball back, and I'm going to go do my deal. And it took them a while to kind of get on the same page, and only because I believe Peyton is a veteran that he will kind of entrust him to kind of do the thing on offense. But it's not natural or in his wheelhouse. That's what's interesting to me is, is that's what I wanted to say, and I don't want to get in your way, EH, is it's funny that, it, that if as I'm doing this in my brain now, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy have been a successful partnership, both offensive guys. 
Drew Brees and Sean Payton have been successful, but it's a lot of defensive coach and, you know, gangbusters QB. That seems to be the formula that gets it done more often than not. Am I right or am I just speculating? No, Tom Coughlin is, uh, uh that's, a, yeah, guy. but you know, but with the, but he's built around defense. It's the opposite. That Giants team has won Super Bowls because of the defense, not mm-hmm. the offense. Well, let me throw this out at you though. If the Broncos started Brock Osweiler, their defense would be better. And, I, and I'm. This is I, you I'm made saying. that point about Romo yeah, too. About that's Romo, interesting. If the yeah. Cowboys started Kyle Orton, the defense would realize we got to play ball, and every play becomes over my dead body kind of play. Yeah, you can't just say it's all talent. It's you know Troy Polamalu is an is an over my dead body kind of guy. You know, like that play he made against the Titans where he jumped over the line. If Osweiler same in there, play he's made about five times in his career, it's, he just keeps yeah, doing it exactly. So those Denver players are going to be like, okay. We got Osweiler playing this week. We're not disparaging him, but guys, we we gotta we gotta hold the fort down. So sometimes I, I don't like that comparison. I wanna throw one other thing at you too. You mentioned Manning versus Romo. One of the reasons why Manning and Romo quote choke is because they don't throw three interceptions in the first half to get their team down thirty six to ten. So they're in position late in the game to either have to make a play or not make a play. And the other thing is in particularly in Manning's case other than the 2011 season, the guy suits up every week, Dave. When you're out there on the field all the time and you don't play bad in the first half, you're going to be in in-game scenarios all the time. So, yeah, he's going to fail, but he has a lot of late-game victories. I don't. Too. You know what? I really don't want to turn it into that conversation, but it's funny. I was talking to Handsome Hank, and maybe we could do this next week and, uh, and revisit it. But I do love the idea that Handsome said, you know, you ignore when you bash Romo, Handsome said to me, when you bash Romo and Peyton, you ignore the other guys who you list as great quarterbacks that you'd rather have than them, and they don't make the playoffs every year. At least Peyton makes the playoffs every single year. And my response to sure that is— this wasn't Mark Brady who said this to you? Oh, I'm sorry. It was. It, I, I, that's right. It was Mark Brady who said it to me. I'm sorry to uh, to uh, to another fellow who I like kibitzing with about these things. He said you're obsessive already about this Peyton Manning nonsense. It's ridiculous. What do you? They're always in the playoffs. How do you, how do you respond to that? Your boy Roethlisberger doesn't do that. Exactly. The team, the Steelers, have never been, even in the last couple seasons, have never been tailored to what Ben Roethlisberger wants in terms of weapons around him or anything else. They know he can um, overcome a lousy offensive line. Therefore, they're not fixated each year on addressing that. Whereas with the Broncos and prior to that with the Colts, Everything is built around Peyton Manning. The whole thing is we're going all in. We're we're going to sleep on the defense a little bit. We're going to sleep on and and he's been also impossibly lucky in his career. He's gone from Marshall Falk to Edge James, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, and you can say Dallas Clark maybe wouldn't have been that great without him, but still he's a he's a fine um, pass playing. catching tight end, right? And you know then he he leaves he leaves Indy and goes to the greatest re- collection of receivers arguably of all time and uh, at, at both stops he has had almost always a really good offensive line everything and that's not by accident I say impossibly lucky but of course both those franchises are tailoring things around Peyton Manning so it's a little unfair to hold it up as you know that's Roethlisberger he is a part of he's supposed to be a part of that's kind of what I'm getting at Tomlin is a defensive guy the Steelers philosophically are that sort of a team so they're like go in there Roethlisberger yeah win us games when you have to but it's about defense and running and all that kind of stuff and that's also like that's also how the organization has been. Like, right. You think about Chuck Noll and how they played. Like, 
it wasn't because of Terry Bradshaw. It was because they played great defense, because Franco Harris made plays, and because Terry Bradshaw would make selective plays in the passing game vertically. I think when you think about Tomlin and Big Ben and the reason why it's such a kind of dilemma that I think Mike Tomlin has with letting Ben Roethlisberger kind of play his Sandlot frenetic style is because of the unpredictability that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. Defensive-minded coaches kind of like to know, okay, exactly what I'm dealing with, which is why they prefer the running game because you run the ball. It's only one bad thing that happens, a fumble. You you pass, incompletions, interceptions, all the negative things, and they don't like to think of it from that, whereas offensive-minded guys are go, 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 go. More risk. Let's light it up. We'll take this chance because we want to score points or whatever. So, that is the difference when you have a defensive-minded guy in front as opposed to an offensive guy. And the only thing that I want to talk about with uh, you talking about if a quarterback change happened, like if Brock Osweiler was playing, if Romo wasn't out, how the defense would play better, the defense would raise their level of play. But also the play caller would call the game differently without Romo or Manning on the field. And more mm-hmm. runs, more keep runs, it more conservative. It'd be more balanced. So then it becomes more of a defensive-style game as opposed to, a, we believe so much in Tony Romo, we're going to let him out. And I actually think Romo is more like a Brett Favre type player where you have to understand that with Brett, he's going to make those plays. And you have to be willing as a play caller to understand, like, he's going to throw the other team one or two, but he's going to make far more plays than he gives up. So I'm okay with it. With Romo, people don't give him the same break when he makes a mess mistake. When he had that great game early this year with the five tip, whatever he had, like the crazy game and he had the pick late, everyone's harping on the pick, but without him, they're not even in that game. And so you I have to agree live, with all you that. Have live, you have to and, live with that. And here we go. Now, see, now we've uh, now we're fully committing back to this for just a minute to this conversation. But again, the di- I mean, listen, the, the fair or otherwise, and it's not the only st- it's not the only thing that makes a difference. But it's up there. Is Brett Favre has latitude because he won a Super Bowl in he in ninety one though. But but that came at a point in his career where if he had the when he was started giving those games away later in his career he would have been demonized you know but he didn't he had that one ring on his finger so it made it all right we've seen him do it to completion now we have not seen Romo do it and I agree with you I think the same thing with uh, you know a guy like Roethlisberger that when you ask certain guys a lot of football guys I I'm sort of I almost shake my head when I say who's the best quarterback you've seen Gil Brandt you've watched football for fifty years. You're as knowledgeable as it gets. You you have an anecdote about every single guy who is even an NFL prospect, no matter where they're from on the face of the earth. Who's the best quarterback you've ever seen? Oh, Peyton Manning. I can't believe you say it's Peyton Manning, Gil Brandt. But certain guys who love football and the X's and O's come down to he's precise and he doesn't screw up that much. And over the course of time, he doesn't screw up. Whereas Favre, Romo, Roethlisberger, you just like you say, there's you better accept that they're going to be inaccurate sometimes. Sometimes they're going to throw some bad balls, and you just have to embrace that. You're not everybody is not Peyton Manning, and ultimately, I'd rather have any of those three guys. Well, not Romo, but I'd rather have the other two guys over Peyton Manning because they have come through in clutch moments. Well, Shaq, you you made fun of me for having my stats pass count up. <laughs> I wanted to confirm something when you talk about Favre winning that first Super Bowl. Hey, Favre was a great player. But I, I remember Green Bay's defense being number one. Just mm-hmm. looked it up. 1996 Packers mm-hmm. gave up 13.1 points per game, tops in the league. Mm-hmm. They gave up 32 points in the first quarter. 
So pretty much every time Favre went out there, Green Bay had a lead at the end of the first quarter. Time to run it to Edgar Bennett and Dorsey Levins. Start running some clock and maybe throw some play. I got you, but everybody. Now, I, I, mean, will say, I will say this. I was on those teams, and it was right in the middle of Brett's three MVP run. Oh, you and played in the Super Bowl against the Broncos? Actually, I was in Jacksonville. I left uh, midseason to go to Jacksonville. but Which had a good team also. Uh, we, we ended up being okay. But with Brett and the defense. That defense was loaded. But it's, it's kind of one of those things that you can't quantify. The defense was partially good because they always felt like if we just get the ball back to Brett, we can win. If we just can somehow find a way to get the ball back at the end of the game, he'll get us out of a jam or whatever. And I think some of that is like when you have a quarterback like a Tom Brady where, or whoever, like one of those Drew Brees is someone who has proven time and time again they can kind of bring you back. All you're hoping for is a chance to just get that guy back. That's what a, a, an elite or a special quarterback can do to your team. It can give you that hope, which makes you play at a different level. Some, some, you know, the window is open and it's bigger for some guys than it is for others. But when that window is open, you got to jump through. And Romo has been on some good teams. That's the point. It's not Romo hasn't been stuck on. It be, back to the thing about free agency. No team's talent level is static at this point. There isn't a team, you know, like even the Cardinals. We, you, you make the Cardinals I a punchline. The Jags, like you say, the Jags have been good. It's not we forget that, that David Garrard and MJD and Fred Taylor pretty recently had a very good team. You know, so you just got to jump through the window when it when it's open there hey, for you. Hey, I, I get it, man. I'm just saying that Dallas in particular has never had a defense that gave up, not in the Romo era, that gave up 13 points per game. <laughs> You're talking about Sean Jones, Gilbert Brown, Reggie White, and that's just on the line. I mean, That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. All right, All right so let's move on. Last thing, Bucky, your analysis of the Des Bryant remark that he can do anything that Calvin Johnson can do. Calvin Johnson, the clear-cut best receiver, although I've said before, I say again now, if I could have one pass catcher right now, it's Jimmy Graham because he's an impossible. He's an even worse uh, mismatch. But sticking to wide receivers, what do you make about Des Bryant saying this? I don't think he's out of line. I don't really? Think, no, I don't think. I think wow. if, you, if you really look at, and it's funny because now I'm going to have to kind of go back counter position when y'all brought up the thing on Thursday Night Football and he had Dez ranked. Do you have Dez ranked as number one right after Calvin? Yeah, yeah. When you go back and you really look at what Dez has done over the last year and a half because we've had a large enough sample mm-hmm. size, it's hard to knock him in terms of not being like, one of the best, if not the best, at the position based on how he's played. The guy can get vertical. He can make all the plays down the field. He can run all the routes that you want to see in the intermediate game. He can catch and run. He can block. He's physical. He has size. He makes big plays in the clutch. He can single-handedly lift that team up with no other weapons on the outside. So when you look at what Kelvin Johnson does with Detroit, you can make the same argument that Dez hmm. Bryant does it. Because when you really look at what Dez Bryant is playing with, and older Jason Witten, who has a place, but he's not the threat that he once was. Miles Austin has been in and out of the lineup. A young Terrence Williams. Cole like, Beasley. Like, really, that offense, two people. Dez mm-hmm. Bryant, Tony Romo. So, I mean, I think you can make the argument that Dez Bryant can do anything. And I think, really, when you look at it, he's probably a better run-after-catch artist than Calvin that's Johnson. How, that's what he just took my point. I was going to say, you know, I would take Megatron in just about every category – but Dez is really tough, and he's hard to tackle, man. He's always looking. And honestly, he maybe he learned that a little bit from Miles Austin because Miles Austin used to be like a running back after he would catch the ball. He used to always bring that up, Bucky. 
uh, Dez is a beast after he catches the ball. Is yeah. it? I, I'm wondering who's got the b- better straight-ahead speed, just Ross? Calvin, but, Calvin, Calvin. Calvin oh, he was does. faster. Yeah. He was really? faster. He ran 4-3. Four, three, I forget about yeah. that. The, uh, does that ever happen, by the way? Does a, does a quarterback, if you're a big-arm guy, if you're Romo or, or Stafford or, or, or a Sandlot guy, everybody talks about uh, Roethlisberger, does that ever happen in the huddle in a game like, uh, hey, Dez, uh, you're faster than anybody else. Just go long. Like you know, when you play backyard football with it, with your with uh, four know, or five um, of your friends, and you're like, just go long. I'm I'm going long. Throw it as far as you. Does that ever happen? Sometimes a quarterback a tag a play. He'll say, you know, red right. Da, 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 da. He's like, hey, run, give me a post or give me a go. Um, stay alert because I'm I'm gonna take the shot. You know, look for hmm. the shot. Like they'll good quarterbacks will do that. They'll understand like, hey. Was that your thing? Were you, was that what your role was on your teams? Oh, in college, yeah. All I did was take the top off the defense, take, as it take were. The top off. That actually, that I actually, wish I had speed. That's what I don't have. See, I'm I, I'm savvy, Bucky, and I got the big time arm, but I ain't got the speed. But that brings up a really good question. We're all on NFL.com Live, uh, which will be Thursday, Thursday at, nights at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but we saw a play where Russell Wilson got out of the pocket against the Cardinals and threw the, the ball to Sidney Rice. Yes. And it was a play where he, he pocket broke down. And, and then when, he took off. And then he took off. The question I have for you is, they always say, from the time you're little, when the quarterback's in trouble, run back to the ball, run back to the quarterback. When, as a receiver, do you know with your quarterback that, in fact, no, I'm taking this one deep? It's, or- it's orchestrated. So what happens is, as you move up in ranks, um, the way the scramble drill is – those who are the original route is something that's coming back. Mm-hmm. The guy on the outside, the one who's the furthest to the outside, who's, if he's coming back, he takes off. Hmm. Everyone else works to the side that the quarterback is scrambling. So the guy on the outside starts back, he goes deep, and then everyone else comes across the field. So a lot of times when you would see Big Ben scrambling, a lot of those improv plays that he would make, those guys would seemingly come across the field. Mm-hmm. That's by design. And good coaches, good teams – they practice that. That kind of second effort, late reaction stuff is by design. So it's not kind of coincidence when you see a Tony Romo always have, like, man, how does he make so many of these impromptu plays or an Aaron Rodgers or a Big Ben? Because in practice, they'll have a play, they'll break it off, and then everyone works in unison. That's interesting. That's what I really do believe. I, You know, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, that's among their best skills, and, and Santonio Holmes was the best at it, you know, probably still is if he were in such an offense and healthy. But, yeah, you I, that that's interesting because you do see – that's why the guy is always so open because he's the backside receiver. He's on the far side of the field, and as it breaks down, the DB would lose him. That does make sense that that's why they're always so wide. And Steve Smith – always running wildly wide open down the field if the play goes on for more than four or five seconds. Yes, Black Tie. I just want to point out that what Bucky's saying just brings up one of my pet peeves about watching football. From that broadcast angle, you can't see any of this that Bucky's talking about. Cameras are focused on the quarterback. Why don't we, just like I be doing NFL.com Live Thursday Night Football, show the game, end zone angle. I love we need that to see angle. More, we need to see more of that because – that you can see what the quarterback is seeing, then you can see what Bucky's talking about. I'm Guys with you. picking off their routes. It's just always so 
anticlimactic just to watch. You don't know what happens until the player either catches the ball or he doesn't catch the ball. Like I want to see the routes progressing. I, want I to see- love. That's why I always say same thing. I agree that the the all twenty two, not the all twenty two camera. I love the low end zone, yeah, low angle end zone. from behind that you basically yeah. see what the quarterback is looking yeah. at. That's the best view. We're just conditioned to football. We're conditioned to see that uh, you know the standard shot from basically the line of scrimmage. It why is, is that? We need to change it. Why is that? I know it's a better. It looks better. Because I didn't have the camera. Because I'm sure it's a technology thing that we haven't caught up with yet. I bet you they'll eventually start showing games regularly that way. But they, but I think probably when football first started being shown on TV, that was probably they, they didn't have eight cameras at every game, and so that's the standard shot. But uh, yeah, I always say if you're buying tickets to an NFL game, hockey and football sit up high so you can see that. Baseball and basketball be down low. See the athleticism of the NBA guys is like nothing else. NHL, you're just looking at guys crash into each other. You can't see anything. <laughs> Same thing with football. You're looking. Up. I always say that about Cowboy Stadium. The f- most expensive seats are those field seats, the luxury boxes. You ever go sit in one of those or go stand in one of those? The play- all you're looking at are players' bums. That's all you see. You see a wall of bums. We can't see anything. But you anyway, wanna, you want to sit right in the mid level. That's not right. not not high up in the nosebleeds. Not too low, like right around mid-level. I'm a nosebleed guy, but I'm a regular guy, Bucky. I didn't get to play in the NFL. You know, that, so. But DJ was telling me that he went on uh, radio, and do you remember Seth Payne, the uh, yeah. defensive lineman? Play with he, him. He was telling, oh, really? So he, he was telling DJ, man, I love what you guys do on, on Thursday night on NFL.com. And I was like, you know what? If I, I would want to see that, too, if I'm at home, because I love it when Money and Solly call the game, and it's from the different angles. And I personally, I love the All-22. It's cool to see like the route, the route. I love it too. That they're that they're all doing. I said that to Merrill Hodge a decade ago. When are they? Why don't they just use the all twenty two camera inset like picture in picture? Everybody would love seeing that. He agreed, and now here it is. Coincidence, probably. But anyway, all right. So, uh, Elliot Harrison, what a pleasure. We'll see you on Thursday night football. NFL dot com live the Thursday night special. Is that right? Yes. Eight p.m. Eastern pregame. Well, he didn't get it right. Totally. Try try NFL dot com. Live Thursday night football, NFL.com live Thursday night football. That oh, is so correct. I said so I said special. So what? It's not special. We do <laughs> I think we it do is it special. I, special. You know what? It may just be a job to you, Black Tie, but to me, it's an opportunity to be with friends, nay, with men I consider to be family now, and that is special. <laughs> And it gives you the opportunity. Wouldn't it be great if I got choked up at the end of episode 200? All right, listen, Bucky Brooks, it's been, uh, we've been remiss in not getting you in here, but let's. I appreciate uh, you coming on. You're going to bring me back. I want to bring him back, Black Tie. He's the gatekeeper. Talk to him. He must not, I don't know what strife you two have, but let's clear that up and, uh, and let bygones be got bygones. All right, listen, Bucky, great stuff. Elliot, great stuff. Thanks to the great Ryan Clark. And Handsome Hank, and Adam Rank, and uh, of course, you the listener, the Czech Republic, the Rank Amateur, the Hank Amateur, the uh, the and Black the Sheep, Brock. the Black Sheep, and the Dieter Brock. To everybody for We're getting tired. us to number 200, and uh, subscribe on iTunes and all that. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.